You're listening to The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Good morning, evening, afternoon to all of you who are tuning in now to The Bonfire Podcast here on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Andrew. Andrew Herzog, I'm also known as. And this is, in fact, a diary of sorts. This is meant to catalog my thoughts through time. Yes, of course, I could write more personal things down in a book, and sometimes I do. It's called a diary. Um, But not here. The podcast is meant for entertainment, but it's meant to catalog my thoughts on entertainment. Occasionally, I have sort of offered a tiny little peek of a glimpse into my personal life. I don't give names. I don't give a lot of super hardcore details. And that's the point. You gotta have some semblance of privacy. Okay, you are here for entertainment and some fun. And I talk about the things that interest me. Hopefully they interest you. Things that we can all at least come together to talk about. You know, things are so polarizing in today's world, it's hard enough just to have a rational conversation of any sort, no matter the topic. So Bonfire specifically chooses apolitical things because of how polarizing those are. That's why I talk about movies, music, my personal experiences, the things that I'm learning, book reviews, things that I'm reading, things that I see online and say, oh, well, this person did that, and uh, here's how I feel about it because X, Y, Z. It is a social commentary of sorts. Yes, from my perspective, absolutely. So yes, it is a diary of sorts. It is also to catalog my personal journey, the things as the years go by, and I hope to keep doing this for years to come. I think it's good. It's a good habit to keep at least once a week. Forces me to choose my words carefully, to think before I speak, and to not just start a sentence before I know where it's going to end. I used to do that. Sometimes that still happens. But I can say, without a doubt, that the podcast has helped me with my vocabulary and my diction and just general grammar. I think I'm a decent conversationalist. Am I the best? No, because I'm an introvert. I only have so much energy before I say, okay, I'm done here. I have to go home. Okay? The path of self-discovery, finding out what I like, what I don't, how my mind works, and, you know, as the years go by, saying, hey, back in 2016... Here's what I was saying. Here's how I thought about the Harambe situation. Here's what I thought about 
the uh, Batman versus Superman movie. And now, here we are, 20 years later, here's what people are saying now. It's all of that. It's good stuff. The good stuff this week is the pursuit of happiness. No, I'm not talking Tommy Jefferson, as I like to call him. Tommy. Tommy, old boy. The pursuit of happiness with Will Smith, the 2006 Hollywood movie. Now, that, that came out 10 years ago. 10 years ago this Christmas, essentially. That is why I talk about these things, to look back on the past. Is this a new movie? No, of course not. Am I giving a review? Yes, of sorts. So it's not new information. All I'm doing is looking back and thinking, hmm, when I was 16 years old and I saw it, I had these thoughts. Now, as a 26-year-old, here's what I see, and I think, wow, even more so. Or I have completely different thoughts. That is why I bring up old shows, old movies. I still do that and give a quote-unquote review of it. The reason why I'm bringing up 2006, or uh, excuse me, Pursuit of Happiness, was because I'm home the other day, and I'm like, what movie do I want to watch? I specifically chose Pursuit of Happiness because I needed inspiration. That was my reason. I wasn't looking for a sad movie. I wasn't looking for a, a drama. I specifically looked through my little library and said, all right, I want Pursuit of Happiness because right now I'm having a hard time motivating myself to do anything, to do my job, to do chores around the house, and to kind of care about the majority of my time, the things that I do in my life. You know, trying to help others, trying to grow and learn, become a more selfless individual. I had no motivation that day, or at least that evening. Don't know why. So it hit me. I'm going to watch this movie. Because I knew the character who is a real person. I knew the movie was, here's a guy who had a hell of a time. Holy crap. Everything he had to deal with, it just kept coming back. And he kept getting up. He kept going, and I thought, there's nothing more inspirational right now than for me to pop this movie in and sit and watch and learn a lesson. The lesson I learned was, look, life sucks sometimes. Uh, obviously more so here for Chris Gardner than me. I have had a blessed life. I'm very lucky. So whenever I feel like bitching one day and I think, hmm, calm down, Andrew, you know, I, I try to remember, well... Look at what he had to deal with. He was a dad, for God's sake, and he had a child he still had to take care of. And all the problems, and then the, you know, you just think, oh my God, I have nothing to complain about. Look at this man. And it's very inspirational. That reminded me, oh, okay, first of all, your life is not that difficult. Second, when you're feeling down, you keep going, period. Don't give up. As cliche as that is, and sometimes incredibly unhelpful to just say it, don't think about it then. Just do it. So Chris Gardner, back in the early 80s, in case you don't know the story, which I doubt, was trying to sell some uh, pieces of medical tech. It wasn't going all that well. And his wife wasn't happy. I'm going off of the movie here because that's the only thing I've seen. The movie is based off of the memoir, the book, which I have not read. I do want to now so I can get more of the real story because, of course, it's, it's a Hollywood movie. There are some portions that are fabricated. According to the movie, he was trying to sell the medical tech, having a really hard time. He and his wife and his child are living in an apartment in San Francisco, which <laughs> now you could not do that today. San Francisco with its real estate market. Wow. Anyway, back in the early 80s, trying to sell that. 
Wife is getting irritated, obviously so. They're both just struggling to meet, uh, uh, make ends meet and get their kid some semblance of a education at just a daycare. And you think, okay, well, wow, they're really having a tough time. The first thing I want to defend is the mom, to a degree, try to put yourself in her shoes. If you see just how dire it is, don't think that you're so much better of a person than her. That Oh, I'd never leave. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't do that. I, I have morals. I have values. I wouldn't do that. Okay. Easier said than done. Okay. Because maybe you've never been in that situation. You wouldn't know how you would react unless you're in the moment. Staring down the barrel of three-month overdue rent, the IRS coming after you, and no good job prospects down the road thinking, well, we're not going to get out of this rut. We're stuck in it. And we're actually kind of getting deeper and deeper, deeper into it. So things aren't looking too good. The movie certainly projected her as a coward, and the uh, character, uh, you know, Will Smith, uh, who's playing him, would say, why are you scared? What is your problem? What is your deal? All right, then get the hell out of here. You're scared. You need to deal with it. Uh, I can't remember the phrase that he said. He said, um, why are you giving up? Something to that effect. Why are you giving up? Why are you a coward? Why are you so frightened? We can do this. She said, nope, goodbye, and she left for New York. So the dad, who already was having a hard time with the family, thinking, how am I supposed to support my wife and child and pay these bills? And she's working, too. Now she's gone. Now she's out of the picture and taking whatever money she was making. Now it's up to him all by himself to pay the bills and take care of his kid and try to give him something of a good childhood. You know, he, he would try to make his kid smile, laugh, and not worry about these adult issues. When the kid would say something like, hey, um, did mom leave because of me? He would say, stop that. Don't you dare think about that. Because, first of all, it's not true. Second, that's not your problem. You're a child. You should be worrying about your Captain America toy and spelling words and playing basketball. And if you have dreams, go for it. That's, that's where your duties as a child should be. Let me handle the bills and all this other crap that I have to deal with. But he, he kept going for his son. Chris Gardner saying, look, I'm going to be there for my child. I'm going to give it my absolute all. During the day, I'm going to try to sell these stupid things, these stupid medical tech scanners. And then during the, also during the day, try to squeeze in an internship, which is unpaid, at a brokerage firm for the minor prospect of maybe becoming an employee there. So this was an industry he had knew nothing about, but he was good with numbers. And he thought, okay, maybe I could make the transition. I got to try. So super difficult, eats up all of his time, always tired, never sleeps, gets kicked out of his house or apartment, and then gets kicked out of the motel. You think, my God, he's just, he's, everything is being thrown at him. But he kept going. He kept saying, look, I'm doing this for my son. I'm going to give him what I never had as a child, a father, a father figure to look up to. That is, you know, point number two, why I like the movie was I liked how they portrayed the dad as the hero. Absolutely. I wish we would see more of that in Hollywood in today's world, how the dad is very competent, kicking ass and getting the job done. That's what I like to see. That's not to say, hey, I like to see the mom drop the ball and quit and run away. No. Um, I did like, though, uh, the music. It is emotional. Even I, I'm not a parent, but... I can put myself in the shoes of the dad and say, hmm, I can only imagine. So I can't even, I can't even grasp 
really the gravity of it all, the emotion of thinking, hmm, how am I supposed to wake up tomorrow? Or hell, if I've been up all night, how am I supposed to chug along today trying to make money and sell these tools and then read, do this internship, give it my all, be the best of the 20 people here, and then maybe get the job, and then once I have it, keep going. That's a hell of a lot of pressure, and that's a lot of work. But maybe, just maybe, it's human nature that once you have a child, you are so unbelievably motivated like you've never been before. I don't know. Because he was doing it for his son. If he was a single guy, (laughs) I don't think he would have put in that much effort. I think that's just the truth. So, Pursuit of Happiness, excellent movie. Bonfire recommended, for sure. Especially if you need a little inspiration. A guy, a man, who absolutely down on his luck, and it just kept, he kept getting deeper and deeper, and more and more buried. But he climbed out, and he made it to the top. That is awesome. It doesn't get more real than that. Especially when it's, at least based on a true story. Like I said, some of the things I'm sure were fabricated, but the, the gist of he was homeless. He had family to take care of, did side jobs and work and tried to make money and then do an internship and study at night and get his kid food and a place to sleep, a roof over his head and solve all those problems and then make the transition to this whole new industry and keep doing well in it and then start his own firm down the road. That's incredible. That's amazing. Great inspiration uh, for any generation. So it, it hit the spot when I was at home thinking, wow, that's that's just what I needed. That's a good movie. Yes. Good stuff. Very, I choked up a few times because I remember seeing it as a 16-year-old. And hell, I choked up then. Just a kid in high school. But even then, I could be like, hmm, let me try to put myself in this situation with my family. If I had a kid, what would I do for the child? Would I work as hard as him? Am I working as hard right now in high school as this dad was for his kid? Can I maybe push a little harder in my studies? and finding a place to go to college, and what I want to do when I grow up, and how am, I, how am I supposed to make a living? Getting a job, just putting a little aside for savings. All those issues were coming to mind when I watched this, thinking like, no, those are adult issues. This was obviously a great movie. I love Will Smith, and he's great. But it's tackling bigger issues of like, all right, determination. Keep plugging along. Uh, selflessness. Like I said, he was doing it for his child. Not himself. He was not doing it just because he wanted money and he wanted to go get laid and, you know, spend all of his money on himself. No, he just wanted to give his kid a respectable living. A respectable childhood so that he could grow up one day and also be successful and they and then, you know, continue that lineage of success. Raising good kids, doing good things, helping others. That's why we're here. Come on. Uh, I found in my personal experience the past few years that of course, I've spent most of my money on myself. I'm single. I'm not married. So whenever I wanted to travel, typically I did it. You know, if I got the time off of work. And once I paid my bills, I would say, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's go buy this toy, this piece of technology. Let's go buy a laptop because I need it. But then it'd be kind of fun to have. Let me go buy some movies. Let's go out and eat a lot. Let's go to the uh, uh, Stars games. So, yeah, a lot of money has already been spent on me. That gets pretty old pretty quick. So while there are some things I still spend money on, food, <laughs> good food, and that's totally worth it, I'm starting to kind of reconsider, well, well, what do I want to do with my money? And as the years go by and I hope to make more in uh, promotions and you know, salary, what should I spend my money on? What do I want to spend it on? Well, I've always enjoyed spending some of it on my friends, thinking, look, hey, if you can't afford to go out tonight to eat because you're budgeting for 
XYZ, then let me buy you your meal. I just want you to be with me so we can eat it together and have a good time. That was, I was usually always able to do. But now you got to go beyond that. You got to think, all right, well, besides just family and friends, you got to help some strangers too. That's where the money, you really feel good, and it's the, it's the first step of selflessness when you just give strangers some sort of financial assistance. And I'm not talking about the peddlers on the street and you're like, hey, here's five bucks. You don't know what he's going to do with that. Donating to an organization that helps them and you know that that organization is going to help that homeless person. Things like that. That's when you know, okay, I think I'm doing well. It's a good start. And then you can start donating your time and yourself down the road. You got you to start somewhere. For me, I'm starting at the bottom, giving a little bit of money here and there. Hopefully, uh, as time goes on, I can be a lot like uh, Chris Gardner here, who has a great work ethic, knows what he's working for, and wants the best for his family, for his kid. I want to do that one day. And God willing, I do. And a little bit of uh, a tidbit of information here. Back in 2006, Will Smith was nominated for his portrayal of Chris Gardner in The Pursuit of Happiness. Unfortunately, Forrest Whitaker won the award in 2006 for The Last King of Scotland. Now, I never saw that movie, but if Forrest Whitaker beat out Will Smith in The Pursuit of Happiness, and I saw that movie, then I'm going to have to check out The Last King of Scotland and see, well, why did you win it in 2006 and Will Smith didn't? I know. That's just something I'm going to have to check out. Uh, It looks like an interesting movie. I just never got around to it. Like many movies. They all look, a lot look great, but it's a time commitment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, on the other side, I uh, will find something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, stay put, stay put. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, now we're going to talk about a documentary review. I, I've talked about a documentary here before. The only one that comes to mind right now in the past several months was Going Clear. It was a documentary about uh, Scientology. And I believe it's available on iTunes and should be HBO. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I got it on iTunes, though. So anyway, Bonfire recommended that one a while back. Here's another one. It's called Psalm Into the Bottle. Into the Bottle? The Wine Bottle. This movie examines the history of wine, including its production, the aging process, and what makes some better than others. It's got a 4.7 out of 5 on iTunes and then a 7.3 on IMDb. 
I don't see one here for uh, Rotten Tomatoes. But it is a great documentary. Now, the first one was called Just Some. And it's about being a sommelier. Sommelier. Something like that. Can't even pronounce the word. But it's pronounced, or it's spelled sommelier. S-O-M-M-E-L-I-E-R. Sommelier. And it's about being a, uh, a wine taster and a just a wine obsessor. Not just an expert, but you are obsessed. These are the people who are, I believe there are less than 200 here on the planet that have that title. A master sommelier. They know absolutely everything about wine. They're the ones who are able to pour it out, you know, a bottle that's not labeled, pour it into a glass, sniff it, taste it, and tell you exactly, pretty much on the dot, what it is, you know, the type of wine, where it was made, which uh, vinery, which winery it came from, and vineyard, and the vintage, like the, uh, the year, and lots of little details about, hmm, tastes like this, reminds me of that, and there's a hint of this in there. All that kind of stuff. Hardcore details. They're the ones who study for years to take this exam that only happens once a year. That's the most often they're allowed to take it. And most do not pass. The average is like, uh, what is it, 3 out of 25 pass it whenever there's an exam once a year. So 3 out of 25, I'm not sure what percentage that is, but it's a small percentage. (laughs) I'm not a math whiz like Chris Gardner. The um, first one was all about the exam, and you're watching these... uh, candidates go through the process of hmm study this i need to know that let's uh, follow them through all the way up until they take it and then give them the results and let's follow them through the whole process now i liked the second one psalm into the bottle because it was more it was more varied there was greater variety i thought it was fresher um it was made in 2015 and it, like, like the uh, little description here says, it does the production, the aging process, and why some wines are better than others. And it does a lot of history and the importance of it and why they're needed, things like that. And it was, it was interesting. I enjoyed it. Um, it's only about an hour and a half. So it's another, it's a good length for something to occupy your time, you occupy your evening. And it's on Netflix, just like the first one. So both of these are on Netflix. I encourage everybody who has Netflix to check them out. Each one is... I think that maybe the first one was an hour 40. Don't remember. But the second one is the one I enjoyed more. Going over why they use wine barrels and then which ones they use. Apparently there are oak and non-oak kind of barrels. And there's this huge divide between the community of, oh, I should be using this one. No, you shouldn't be doing that. And then, you know, Australia is known for a specific kind of wine. I'm not sure what it is. Shiraz, Shiraz maybe. And then, uh, of course, California, Napa Valley. And you got people who are um, very traditional over in Europe, and that's where uh, a lot of the oldest vineyards in the world are. And then you got the new world, new age kind of people who are like, well, we can do whatever we want with the wine. Let's start mixing and experimenting just to see what, what, what new things we can come up with. Whereas people in France are like very traditional. Well, this hill has always been this type of wine, so we're sticking with it and we're just perfecting it. Great. That's awesome. That's, that's the way to do it. you got to have somewhere that can kind of branch out and then keep the tradition the thousands of years of tradition. That's what it is. Come on. Wine since the Greeks all the way up until today. Yeah. Safe to say one of the oldest human creations. And it's still puttering along. I mean, it's not just puttering. It's actually doing really well. And it shows the process of, well, when we have a really tough year, it sucks. And when 
a good year comes around every now and then, which is once a decade. I think one you know master, one uh, vineyard guy said, then that's something that they will highly value, obviously, and then they will try to sell it at a super high price. But people are willing to pay it. Wine is a very high class, but it's also I wouldn't say low class. Low class is beer, like Natty Light, <laughs> gross. But you can get three dollar wine in Italy. You can get it here in America too, I guess, at a Walmart. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it's trash, but it's still pretty universal. And if you want to feel like you're feeling very ritzy one night, that's the thing you do: is you have wines or you have cocktails, like a. Uh, I was about to say a margarita. That's not a, a martini. It's okay. Wine is for everybody, the whole human race. And um, it's just interesting. It was a cultural documentary, and it's fun because I think it's something that we can all. I keep stressing this, you know, come together on as stupid and cliche and goofy as that sounds. I think so. Who who couldn't you sit down with and say, hey, let's watch this quick little documentary on wine and the whole process, how they, how they price it, how it's grown, where it's grown, how long this 13th generation winemaker has been on this hill with his family. It's crazy. You think, oh, my God, there's a lot of history here, and it's just super intriguing. So there you have it. That is the Bonfire Recommendation uh, documentary. Of the week. Well, hell, you know what? Let's just make it the month. Documentary of the month. Go ahead and check it out. On Netflix. Psalm into the bottle. This is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is the Bonfire On Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. Now here's an interesting article that I found on the Hollywood Reporter about Netflix. It's called the Netflix Backlash. Why Hollywood fears a content monopoly. And this is actually a pretty pretty beefy article, so I'm not going to go into all that much detail just going to try to give the bullet points as I as I see fit. As I see fit. The streaming service, Netflix, is spending $6 billion a year on content. What the hell? <laughs> what does that mean? Um, you do the numbers, and it says there are 83 million subscribers across the planet. And I believe the minimum is 8 bucks a month. If you dish that out, that is about $8 billion a year. In revenue. So they're spending $6 billion of it on content. So they are obviously no longer a streaming service like they were. Hell, they were just a DVD movie uh, service maybe a decade ago when they started. I'm going to look that up real quick. When did Netflix begin? Um, needless to say, Netflix is a huge powerhouse and got to got to the game first. Amazon and Hulu are there and they're trying to do their own shows. You know, Amazon has a uh, soon to be the Grand Tour, you know, the uh 2.0 of um, Top Gear from BBC. It's got the same uh, characters, not characters, same people, which is great. And then uh, the Man in the High Castle on Amazon. I've not seen that, although I really want to. Hulu, I don't know of any Hulu exclusive shows, but they they do it. They also do it. So it's now the norm for these streaming services to get that give you on-demand material. 
to now be producing their own original stuff. It's no longer, hey, we took the uh, show from ABC and a year after it ended, we uh, just now uploaded it. It's now available on demand. That's how they used to do it. Not anymore. Netflix, yes, founded back in 1997. Yep. Used to be DVD by mail because they were sick of late fees. Think about that. Are there late fees anymore for this trash? No, absolutely not. Eight bucks a month, I believe. At least that's what I pay. To watch hundreds, maybe even thousands of different titles right from your home. You don't have to leave the house. You don't have to go to Redbox. You don't have to go to Blockbuster, unless you want to. Just sit right there on the couch. Flip through, see what's available, see what's trending and interesting, and say, all right, let's click on that. Boom, done. All right, it's on. Now, granted, if the internet is down, you may not have any entertainment. (laughs) That's why I have some DVDs, so that I always have a little something-something. But Netflix has completely shaken the whole industry. This article is explaining, Well, that's not fair. There's going to be a monopoly. They shouldn't be able to do that. My first reaction as I was reading this was thinking, Look, you're just pissed that they're coming up with good content. That's what it is. And I've said here all along, Hollywood is getting, I think, really lazy, especially in the movies. Nothing but sequels and remakes, or just trash. You may have an original movie, but it sucks, okay? We're looking for something a little more deep, a little more intellectual, a little more entertaining and natural. Uh, It's not natural to have Ghostbusters 2, the remake of... No, I just, I saw the first one. It was cool. It was cool. Uh, I didn't see the second one. I don't need to see Indiana Jones 4, which was trash, and I certainly don't need to see number 5, although I probably will, so I can mock it. Why are we doing all these? And then Magnificent 7, another remake. And to be fair, Westworld, which is now going to be made into a TV show, although it was originally a movie, I believe, back in the 70s, and I talked about that here before. Um, that looks interesting, but it's still derivative. It came straight from Westworld, pretty pretty much along the same lines. There might be some changes here and there, but pretty derivative. I'm looking for original ideas like Inception okay, and The Prestige. I bring up Christopher Nolan because I think he does that very well. You think, okay, have I seen psychological movies before where it's like, whoa, that's just a cool shot. Oh, my gosh, it's a brain spasm. I can't even think right now. It's crazy. Um, yeah, there's been some of those, but Inception was tenfold. Looked great, sounded great, and it made you think. Uh, The Prestige, same thing. Looked great, sounded great, made you think. And had I seen kind of magic movies before? Yes, but this had a different element of intrigue that just pulled you in. And you thought, okay, that was original. Good for you. And there's not the Prestige 2, the comeback, and trash like that. No, when you make the damn movie, you move on. Please. Okay? There is a time and a place for you to have Captain America 3, Civil War. Okay. I'll give you that. Two was not my favorite. One was all right. Captain America 3 was my favorite. I'm like, all right, I think you finally nailed it. One, you started all right. Two, eh, three, there you go. It happens. Netflix here. Stranger Things. Peaky Blinders. Apparently, Orange is the New Black. I don't watch that, but it's popular, I'm told. (laughs) And I read. What else is there off the top of my head? Uh, House of Cards, I believe, was the first foray into original content that Netflix decided to do. And yes, that did very well as well. I didn't see it. I just, because it's very political. I mean, not in a true sense, but it's a show about politics. I don't care. 
I really don't. I'm sorry. I, I, I watch the real world. I have enough of that. Therefore, I like Stranger Things. Takes me away from reality. Makes me kind of daydream a little bit and have a little fun. Okay, so... Netflix spending $6 billion for original content. Well, yeah, okay, thank you. Um, that's what we want. I think that's what most of us want. I don't want to see Jurassic World 2. Jurassic World 88. I'm sick of it. It just seems like you're being really lazy. And so a lot of the TV industry, a lot of the uh, old school distributors, you know, in the movies, Warner Brothers, Sony Pictures, I'm sure, and Paramount, they're thinking, well, what the hell? This isn't fair. They're... Uh, they're just going to develop a monopoly sooner or later, and they're just going to shove us out of business. Okay, well, look, it's called competition, and if they're putting out something better, then yeah, of course they're going to take my 8 bucks a month, and they deserve it because I get to watch those shows. I also get to watch old stuff. It's not just new content. They keep old things up, like The Office, old movies, and they kind of rotate. They kind of keep things fresh. You're like, hey, what's new on Netflix this month? And they have Walking Dead on there. After AMC is done with it, they say, all right, we'll put it on Netflix. Great. There's so much content, and there's usually always something for me to watch in my downtime. I think, great, well, that's why I chose Netflix. They deserve my money. They're doing very well. The service is, it's never faltered. You know, there's never been a day that it just farted and never worked. Usually it was my internet connection, and that was the problem. So it's not Netflix's problem. I think they've done very well. And throughout the article, there are some people who say, look, we need to congratulate Netflix for what they're doing. They're doing a good job, and they're changing the industry for the better. I agree. It's forcing the old school people to say, hey, you want to see entertainment? You need to come to the movie theater. You need to see entertainment? You need to tune in Tuesday night at 8 p.m. only. No. I want it whenever the hell I want. That's when I want it. Because maybe I'm busy Tuesday night at 8 p.m. I have other things to do with my life than just sit in front of the TV. And especially sit there and watch commercials? Don't care. Don't care. I'm sick of bloody ads everywhere. Online and on TV. It's disgusting. Um... Bonfire has had some sort of ads before. I actually just now took them off the website because, you know, they were the stupid auto-generated ads. I took those off because I don't care. Um, I thought I needed to have them on to make the website look as professional as possible. But when I thought about it and, you know, a number of articles and books I'm reading, I thought, well, wait a minute. That's not what I'm about. That's not what Bonfire is about. We don't want to trash you and load you and, you know, <laughs> supplicate, um, saturate you with... Stupid ads that not only take the website longer to load, but just irritate the hell out of you. You know why? Because it irritates me. I'm in the media. I'm in that industry. And so when I'm just trying to load a stupid website to read a quick article and all this trash keeps popping up, it gets extremely irritating. And then I close it just to spite the website and the ad who is trying to get my attention. Screw you. You are unbelievably annoying. I'm all for people generating content and saying, hey, look, I just like that person. That's original right there. That's, that's fresh. It's genuine. And you're not shoving ads in my face. I can tolerate some, but when I don't have a choice, you've lost me. Goodbye. So Netflix, when they take out ads and they say, look, this is on demand, boom, done. You can binge watch this if you want. There you go. There's other ways to make money. Just please don't do it with ads. Getting so sick of it. I can tolerate, you know, the trailers before movies at the theater because that's showing you, hey, here's content coming up. It's not showing you, here's the latest phone you should have. Here's the latest service from your uh, energy provider. I don't care. Shut up! I already have this information. Thank you. Get, get me to the movie. Get me to the entertainment, the reason why I came here. 
I didn't come here to see your dumb commercial. So thank you, Netflix, for keeping commercials out. Now, Hulu, on the other hand, uh, they still shove those in. So I'll watch a couple shows, and they try to squeeze in some ads during normal commercial break times. You know, when they get through segment A, the first block of the show, and then it goes to commercial, they show you two ads, maybe three. Okay, certainly shorter than, I would I would say, your typical commercial break on television. But, what the hell? Come on. If I'm paying for this, I don't want to see these ads. I don't care who you are. So, Netflix deserves right now all the money it's making. Their concern, though, is, hey, you have to keep up sub- subscriptions and get more people if you want to keep spending that kind of money on content. So it's going to come to a point where, all right, well, how much content do we want? And there have been other articles that I've read saying things like, well, we're going to come to a point where it's 400 TV shows and choices that people are just going to get overloaded and think, okay, now I don't care. Then it's going to start to shrink back to a more manageable size of content. I think that's that's naturally human. Um, The same thing with people cutting the cord for cable. I don't have cable because it's too many choices. And I don't want to pay a premium price for stuff I don't watch. I say premium. I'm talking like a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks a month for you know, sure for like internet and TV. But I don't want any of that to go to channel 167, and it's trash. I don't care about. I'd say I don't. I'm never on this channel, and yet they're getting a portion of my money. I would rather give Netflix my eight bucks a month, hell of a lot more cheap, to give me a greater variety. Of the stuff I want. That's how you get these filters down. You like certain things, you can categorize it however you want, and then you get more options of what you want. I can avoid the things I don't want. That's service. That's the new world. <laughs> Come on. Old school TV cable, it should go away. Absolutely. And things that people want should be on demand. And that's where you fight for it with competition, saying, hey, you should pick us because XYZ. Let your work stand for itself. That is why Netflix is still getting my money. And hopefully they don't raise the prices anymore. They might. This article was um, postulating that it's possible. Of course it's possible. And I hope it doesn't happen. Because you're already making a lot of money, dude. Seriously, $8 billion a year? That should be enough for you. You shouldn't have to raise the monthly payments from people like me. Okay? I, I, don't, I don't think you should. So, there you go. This makes me optimistic that down the road it's just going to get even even better. For content creators, those who aren't trying to make a quick buck, ones who are thinking, hey, look, I have a legitimate original story here that I want to tell. I'm either going to sell it to a video game and they make it into a video game. I'm going to give it to Hollywood. I'm going to give it to Netflix. Or I'm going to write a book myself. Or I'm going to sell the idea to someone who wants to do something with it. That's what we want. I want more people with more ideas and stories to get out there. Right now, I would say there's almost a monopoly in Hollywood of writers. And what are they doing? They're doing the same trash! I'm sick of it. They're just pissed because they're being beaten right now. There you have it. Don't know what to tell you, Hollywood. I think it's time you started to keep up with Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show. They're people who, hey, you're going to get in the way of my gravy train? Screw you. Don't get in the way of my gravy train. How much are you going to pay me, George Soros, to go out there and protest? That pays better than going to work. So, yeah. And they transplant them all over the country. They go to Baltimore. They go to Ferguson. They just, you know, do what they got to do to keep the to keep the leftist money in their pockets. And behind it is, uh, you know, Emperor Palpatine. The Chris Salcedo Show. Weekdays at noon Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire.
on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, now one final piece for the show today. Something funny. But it wasn't funny in the moment because I I was confused. <laughs> this is the umpteenth time in the past uh, several years, I'd say five years, within the past five years that someone has accused me of being a hipster. <laughs> and I think, what are you talking about? I know what a hipster is. How can you even make the comparison? So let me see what the internet says. Hipster, noun, informal. A person who follows the latest trends and fashions, especially those regarded as being outside the cultural mainstream. Okay. That's one definition. Another one from Urban Dictionary says, Hipster men and women sport similar androgynous hairstyles that include combinations of messy shag cuts and asymmetric side-swept bangs. And that's just the, uh, like, hair part. So there you go. Latest fashions and trends. Your clothes, you're doing things that are just trendy, and then it's being outside the cultural mainstream. What are most other people wearing? Well, they're wearing X. Okay, well, then I'm wearing Y. And then your hair. It's like, well, are you doing the uh, uh, the fade on the side, or is it completely shaved off on the sides, and you got hair on top, or are you just doing, like, the emo, and it's kind of, like, long at the front only, and the rest of your head is normal? In my mind, a hipster was someone who walks around with a beaker instead of a water bottle and says, I'm drinking my water right now. I'm like, what? Out of a beaker? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Someone else who wears cowboy boots when they have Bermuda shorts on, along with a button-down Oxford black shirt. And then they have, you know, the old uh, wallet chain somewhere along there as well. And then this big gaudy watch on their left arm. Hell, let's make it their right arm. That, to me, is is a hipster. Like, Like, who is this guy? Who the hell? Who? What are you doing? That is a hipster in my eyes, and yet I get accused of that kind of thing. <laughs> but kind of with these definitions that I'm, I'm reading here, at least just these two, okay, person who follows the latest trends and fashions. I don't think it's the latest trend in fashion to be beachy, tropical, although I live in the middle of Texas, nowhere near the beach. I have Sperry's. Those are usually my go-to weekend shoes. I don't have tennis shoes. Yeah, I don't. I have Vibrams, you know, the little toesies, the little toe shoes, where your each toe is like in a sleeve, okay? I have those because they're comfortable, and they work, and they're waterproof, or at least they seem like it. <laughs> so for mud runs and going in lazy rivers and, uh, not lazy rivers, actual rivers, and lazily um, going along, then yes, they're waterproof. I have uh, not cowboy boots, but I have like work boots, Clarkson's. Just general kind of casual, rugged boots as well. Then my dress shoes. The ones that are uh, nice and shiny. Very formal. So, yeah. Sperry's, I'm usually actually always kind of wandering around in those. Okay, fair. I don't think that's trendy. They've been around for 100 years. And I'm nowhere near the beach. I'm just in the middle of Texas. I don't know if that makes it worse. I don't know. Shorts. I wear shorts in the summer. And yes, they're could be described as Bermuda shorts. They're all made up of different materials, but I like them flat front, not, uh, what's it called? Pleated. I don't have pleated pants or shorts. They're just flat front. So nice shorts. Other ones are a little more kind of just board shorts, kind of like swimming trunks. And then I have minimalist belts. I don't have a lot of gaudy stuff. I don't, I usually don't wear watches. 
I just don't like them. Um, I do have a trilby, a straw trilby, but I usually don't wear it. It's in my closet. I have t-shirts, yes, but none of them are graphic tees. That is something else I always associated with a hipster, someone who wears a graphic tee that says, I love Leia Skywalker, and he has a trilby on, a straw trilby, and those cowboy boots, and Bermuda shorts, and a gaudy watch, and black hair with a stupid smirk on his face. That is a hipster. That is what I've always envisioned. For me, I've always felt, hey, no, I dress comfortably. I dress fashionably, as if I were on the beach. As if I were in the tropics. And then, of course, when it starts to get cold, I throw all that in the closet. And I put on jeans. I put on these work boots. I wear socks again and normal rugged belts, button-downs, Henleys, thermals, jackets. There you go. The only other thing that you could maybe associate me with a hipster is my beard. I am growing my beard again. But, hey, guess what? I only do that in the fall, in the winter. Because it's cold. I don't do it in the summer for kicks and giggles. It's too hot. I don't want it. And to be fair, I've only been doing that for the past two years. Like, no, this is the second year. Excuse me. Last year was the first year I decided to just grow a beard. Like, completely. For months. Never done it before. And guess what? It happened in the fall. That ain't hipster. That's called being a man and being cold outside. I want to keep my face warm. Don't understand it. <laughs> so when someone, who shall remain nameless, decided to say, oh, uh... God, Andrew, you're such a hipster. I thought, what are you talking about? I laughed, and it's fun. And, you know, everybody else was laughing, too. Apparently, they thought it was hysterical. I said, well, explain yourself. And, of course, she couldn't. Maybe I don't know. Maybe she just didn't care. Don't know. But that really made, that got me thinking. Like, wait a minute. No, I need to talk about this on the show because I'm not. Let me defend myself. If you're going to say something like that, you got to give me some evidence. I just gave you mine. I dress comfortably, and I dress tropically when it's in the summer months. When it's in the winter, I am much more like a lumberjack. Does that make me a hipster? When I play by the seasons? I don't know. You tell me. This is Andrew Herzog from the Bonfire Podcast here on the Blaze Radio Network. Please find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagrammy. The Instagrammy, the Instagrams. And bonfirethoughts.com. I do hope to continue this years-long process of the bonfire. The writings, the musings, the podcasts, videos. Slow but steady. I'm in no rush to, I don't know, go overboard. Because it's a hobby. This is fun. I enjoy doing this kind of work. And I want to find other people who enjoy doing what's best for them. If you're a writer, great. I want your stuff. I want you to hone that skill. If you're a a talker, I'd like to have you on. Let me find you. I don't know where you are, but maybe one day I'll find you. I trust that it'll happen. If you want to be an actor, great. Maybe one day, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we can make a movie together. Who knows? Anything is possible. I love it. Life is good. Food is good. And beer is good. Andrew Herzog, out. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network.